This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? Going very well indeed. How was your weekend? Uh, it was amazing, actually. Uh, on Saturday, we didn't do much, but yesterday we were in Rotorua, so Jack could ride at the at Skyline, um, where they've just got the most amazing trails, and he just spent the whole day jumping on the gondola with his bike, resuming up to the top of the hill, and then coming down even faster. So it was that a sounds fun. weekend. And did you sit at the top or at the bottom? I sat at the bottom and read a book the whole day, eight hours sitting in my car <laughs> reading a book. It was amazing. That sounds like quite a pleasant thing to do. It actually was. The sun was shining. It was warm. It was, it was glorious. A beautiful Rotorua day. And who are we introducing today? Speaking of Rotorua, um, it's my great pleasure to introduce Ben Sanford. Uh, ben was um, one of our Olympians, actually. He was Olympic skeleton racer. Um, he's a representative on the World Doping Agency. He's a lawyer. Um, he is incredibly community-minded. And I guess that is uh, one of the reasons why he is a mayoral candidate for the Rotorua um, elections that are coming up for the local body elections. Welcome, Ben. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Ben. How was your weekend, Ben? Yeah, it was good. Um, Saturday, me and uh, some of my team spent the day putting up more election signs, uh, and then Sunday, more organising to, to get the campaign you know, fully up and running and um, be able to get there, out there and, and meet more people and uh, talk to more people over the coming months. So we've been asking people how their bubble life was and then how their traffic life life was. I trip up on that almost every day. How what, how was your bubble life and how was your traffic light life? Um, it was good. I, I live at home alone and so, you know, I'm a lawyer and so continued working through um, the bubble situation, uh, just working from home. And uh, we do a lot of property law and so a lot of the stuff that we were doing was um, delayed until you know coming out of of the bubble, um, so that all all worked out pretty seamlessly from home, and you know it was nice to um, see the neighbours more and sort of spend more time in in the neighbourhood, and um, you know go down to a, to the lake on a nice day and run past it on a on a nice day. So that was that was good, and then traffic light. Um, probably the biggest change for me this year with um, the traffic lights is. You know, obviously, when we were in our bubbles, we weren't allowed to travel, but the travel restrictions have lifted. Um, and I have a position with the World Anti-Doping Agency. And so um, as our restrictions have lifted, so have most of the restrictions around the world. Uh, so now our meetings are back in person. And so the last few months, so there's been quite a bit of travel around the world. 
that sounds like we'll talk about that. There was interesting stuff during the lockdown of the the property stuff that carried on, and and for some of it didn't carry on. Did that just cause chaos for those sorts of chains of of people buying houses, but they had to sell their own house, and that couldn't happen? Um, I, I definitely wouldn't say it caused chaos. It caused um, like a little bit of concern. Like you, def- you definitely had to, you know, spend the time to to rework the dates and you know to get the the condition dates to a point where they could be satisfied um and yeah there was a lot of correspondence with other lawyers to make sure everything was lining up um but ultimately everyone was in you know the same situation and so everyone was pretty understanding about what was going on and normally when you're in that stage of an agreement you want it to be happening and so you want to find ways for it to happen um so everyone you know, that we dealt with was, was understanding and pretty good. Is law back to back to normal? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, the law that we do anyway is, you know, I hear that there's long waits in the court and the, the court system is going to take some time to, to catch up. But with the, the stuff that we do from, from day to day, it's, it's pretty much back to, to normal. Um, one thing I, I would say, you know, we sort of see interesting um, waves of work coming in the door uh, and generally after lockdowns we saw um, a sort of a, a spike in separation agreements where you know people had been home with their partners and suddenly things things weren't working and there was all that additional stress and so we often saw a spike in uh, separations after lockdowns. And you are in Rotorua, I presume you're in Rotorua, how's the town doing? Yeah, look, I, I absolutely love Rotorua. Like, I, I grew up here, I was raised here. Um, I've been living back here um, for the last seven years. And, you know, I think it's an absolutely fantastic place and it has a, an enormous amount to offer. Um, but, you know, there are there are struggles here. There's a lot of people that have been doing it really tough. You know, obviously, we're a tourist town and um, tourism has been hugely impacted by, by COVID. Uh, and that's had a flow-on effect. Um, you know, we have, you know, a, a homelessness crisis um, we have, you know, out of that too, um, there are those sort of associated issues around poverty and around, um, you know, crime or antisocial behaviour. So we definitely have our issues um, and we need to, to work through those and, and come out even stronger and better. Have those issues been made worse over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think so. I think they've, they've been um, enhanced by COVID. You know, there was obviously with you know, tourism shutting down, there was, you know, a lot of people that became unemployed as a result of that. Um, and it's been a really big, big change for, for Rotorua. There are still tourism businesses that are, are closed down. Um, you know, we've had always had a lot of international tourism here. Um, and so the tourism operators here had to try and pivot to more of a, a national audience. Um, and some of them were able to do that and, and some of them weren't. And so there's still, still that struggle. A lot of businesses have been struggling and a lot of people have been struggling. Um, and, you know, I think around the country what we've seen is that there's a, there's a housing crisis and a, sh- a shortage of housing. And um, I always say that social issues impact Rotorua first um, and sometimes to a larger degree than, than other areas. Um, and, you know, we do have a, a large part of our population is, um, you know, low socioeconomic, um, and there are the, all those associated poverty issues. Um, and, yeah, COVID has definitely made that worse. 
Um, and as we come out of COVID, we need to make sure that you know we're creating opportunities, we're giving people support, um, and that we're really building communities to make us more resilient as we go forward, and um, you know to give people a path out of what's happened in the last few years. Do you have a vision for those more resilient communities? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's there's not just one solution. I think it, it's you know like fixing. A lot of things, it can be quite complicated. And I think that local government definitely plays a, a part in making communities more resilient, you know, supporting communities, um, making sure that they have access to services, making sure that, um, you know, they feel like they can contribute to their communities and um, that they can build a stronger community. And then you obviously have, you know, the overlay of, of central government and that, and it's vital that we have a council, you know, that really advocates strongly for Rotorua and the people that live here. Um, so that we are getting good outcomes um, and good pathways for you know people that are struggling and families that are doing it tough. During the pandemic, when things were shut down, we heard talk of tourism doing pivots, and you talked about the pivot to national tourism, but we also heard talk of pivoting to regenerative tourism and slow tourism. Do you think that's going to happen? I think so. Um, I'm not sure at the rate that it's going to happen. Um, you know, it'll be interesting as we, as you know, tourists start to come back into the country, what offerings tourist providers, uh, you know, are giving international tourists. Um, but, you know, I travel a lot for, for WADA and I've lived overseas for a long time. And, you know, there's definitely that trend with tourists. And I see that when I'm traveling, you know, that um, tourists want to have a really genuine experience. They don't just want to um, you know, travel to the other side of the world and, you know, pay a lot of money for something that um, isn't genuine. And there's also a sort of a move to, like you, you say, the sort of slower tourism or more sustainable tourism. And so, like, we have a couple of um, tourist activities here in Rotorua, um, which, you know, really, it's almost about the the visitor experience giving back, you know, enhancing the environment or giving back to the environment and those are those have been doing really well and that seems to me to be the trend internationally like tourists are very aware of you know climate change and the effect that they might have as tourists and so as a result of that they're looking to to offset that um, and they are looking to you know go somewhere and have an experience and contribute to the to the local economy you know contribute to the local environment because um, there is a recognition that you know not all tourism has done that. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Little River Band, Cool Change. Why this one? Um, so, yeah, obviously I've got a, a campaign running at the moment uh, for the local mayoralty here, um, and I've got a campaign launch coming up later this week, and uh, one of my friends is going to be playing some music there, and he thinks this should be the, the campaign song. missing it's the time that I spend alone sailing on the cool and bright clear water there's lots of those friendly people they're showing me ways to go but I never want to lose their inspiration Oh 
to do the work that you do, not just as a lawyer and, and with the anti-doping and even your commitment um, to your sport in the past and now your commitment to the mayoralty, all of that requires a real ability to focus and in particular in your life right now is a real focus on community. Where has that come from in you, do you think, in terms of the way you grew up? Oh, gosh, that's a, yeah, that's a deep question. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think, you know, like I, I grew up here and I, I really care about this community and, and, you know, like I have, you know, had the privilege to live and travel overseas and I've seen, you know, things done in different ways in different countries and, you know, I, I want Rotorua to be a, a thriving place and, um, you know, like this, this is my home, like this is the place that I, you know, I care really deeply about um, and, you know, I want to see, you know, people succeeding here and I want to see our community succeed and um, so I think it just comes from you know being part of the community um, and and wanting to see you know things get better and people do well. During the um, there's just been so much media coverage of the homelessness issue in Rotorua and the thing I keep seeing is the, the, the people who are who are coming back to Rotorua and, and therefore making the homeless problem bigger are people who actually come from there, coming home. Do you think that that sense of place and belonging to a place um, is growing? Are we, are we becoming more committed to being in the places where we feel like we belong? Yeah, another, that's an interesting question. Um, I think sometimes when people are going through hard times, they'll gravitate back to the places that they feel most comfortable or they feel like, you know, they belong. Um, you know, definitely, you know, when I was, you know, competing overseas or, you know, when I was going through through hard times, you know, it would often be, you know, thinking about home or engaging with home that, you know, helped me. Um, and there are, like I've, I've spoken to a, a number of, you know, homeless people um, in the last couple of years, and you know, a number of them, you know, they they have connections to Rotorua, and they've they've come back here because of the circumstances that they found themselves in, in you know, Auckland or Hamilton, um, and you know, they they're trying to you know reconnect to their family or you know to a community back here. Um, so I think I think it's a, a natural thing to sort of when you when you're struggling to to in a sense go home. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely played out here in a in a way that we probably didn't anticipate. You know, going into the pandemic. No, no, I don't think anybody could have. It's just one of those. It's an unintended consequence, I guess, um, of the lockdowns. And um, but I mean, we we we're a resilient group, us New Zealanders. We can find a way through anything. Yeah, that that's true. And, you know, we, we are resilient and we need to be, you know, the world's changing incredibly quickly now. And, um, you know, no one would have thought that there was a pandemic, you know, coming around the corner. Uh, and, you know, the, the rate of speed that that has us and, you know, the way that everyone had to adapt. And, you know, I think we did incredibly well adapting and getting used to the new reality of, of being in a pandemic. What would you say to anybody who, because we've got listeners all over the world, so what would you say to people who are who are considering a trip to New Zealand um, and 
um, and wondering about where they should visit. What would you say about Rotorua? Oh, come and visit Rotorua. It's it's absolutely incredible. Um, you know, we have amazing lakes. We have, you know, incredible cultural stories to tell. Um, you know, we're fantastic people. The hospitality is great. Um, the mountain biking is the best in the world. We have, you know, geothermal activity, which is, you know, changing daily. Um, there's so many different experiences you can have here. You know, I, I love the lakes and the rafting and it's, there's just so much you can do. And, you know, whether you're, you know, one person traveling by yourself or you're a big family, there's, there's a lot of things to do and see here. There's, um, I think that at the moment there's a bit of negative press and I don't think it's well-founded. I think it's more headline grabbing than, um, than reality having just spent the day there yesterday again. And, it's such a great place to visit. We always enjoy our visits there. But is the accommodation-wise, there's plenty of accommodation there because the, the media would have us believe that all the accommodation is filled with homeless people. No, yeah, there's, there's still plenty of accommodation here. Um, yeah, we do have emergency housing, which is taking up a number of motels, but, you know, you still have, you know, all the hotels here. Um, you still have other motels. You still have... Airbnb, you still have uh, campgrounds, so yeah, there's a there's a wide range of accommodation here that you know suits everyone's needs, and there's there's still plenty of it. Oh, that's a good thing. And of all the activities in Rotorua, what's your favourite? Oh gosh, so much to choose from. Um, you know, like on a hot summer's day, like normally I would just go out after work. I'd probably go out to one of the lakes and go swimming. Um, you know, we have a forest right on our doorstep. And so I go there, you know, to, to walk dogs or to go for a run as much as I can. Um, you were up at Skyline the other day and yeah, the luge rides up there are a lot of fun. So it's, I'm, I'm really bad at picking favorites. Like I, <laughs> it, it just depends on how I feel on the day. So yeah, it would completely depend on, on what day of the week it was and how I was feeling. For, uh, for a community like Rotorua that, um, that, that really requires um, tourism, the whole, I mean, everything's built around tourism, do you think that now that the borders are fully open that things are going to sort of start to come right pretty quickly? Um, I, I hope they come, come right quicker than, than slower. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, the borders are open now and I don't think there's a, a huge rush of tourists back into the country like it, it is going to be a gradual process um and you know one of the one of the things that you know i've just got back from being in the us and ireland and the uk um and one of the interesting things is you can turn on the radio in any of those countries and it's as if you're listening to a new zealand radio station talk about the issues in new zealand like they all these countries are experiencing similar sort of issues to what we are you know, whether it's um, a lack of skilled labour for, for jobs, whether it's an airline industry which is struggling to get back on its feet, whether it's, you know, homelessness or a lack of housing or inflation or, you know, the rising cost of living. Like, these these are global things um, and we're part of that global world. It's Travelling at the moment is, is interesting, to say the least. Like, there's a lot of – every single flight I think I've been on has been booked. Every single flight I've seen people on standby – um, not being able to get on the flight, um, you know, like Heathrow's operating at only part of its capacity. And um, th these are, so there's, for, for tourism to come back, we sort of need international travel to be back on its feet. And I can't see that being back on its feet 
you know, at the click of a finger. It, it's going to take time to, you know, get planes back in the sky and get airports up and running again and, and get that, that system um, back to where it was. One of the uh, ways that I can, I guess we can gauge um, a, a funny way is languages. And uh, I noticed yesterday, because we, we go to Rotorua often, uh, and in particular we go to Skyline often, but yesterday was really neat to see, to hear so many languages being spoken, big family groups, lots of different languages, and, and I was hopeful that some of those at least will have come from overseas. Yeah, definitely, actually. I've noticed that in the last couple of weeks as well. And you know, even just when I was flying back to New Zealand recently, the, you know, it wasn't just New Zealanders coming home. There was a, a large amount of tourists on the flight. And so it, it's cool to see, you know, tourists back in the city. Like I was talking to a cafe owner where I go and drink coffee quite a bit. And he was saying, you know, he's he's seen more tourists coming in. And um, it, it brings a real energy to the city, um, you know, and, yeah, like it's part of our history here is welcoming people to Rotorua and showing them around. And so, yeah, it's great to have to respect. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arahanui, kia koutou, ko I hope you're all having a best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope, wherever you are, and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're on to get is pretty big, very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature's art, perfect, here, making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for us all the last more than two and a half years have been very trying. We've all had to expend a lot of energy. We've had to find so many new ways of doing and seeing feeling. And so of course it's very important at this time that we give ourselves and each other all the love, all the compassion, all the understanding, all the support, all of the unspoken and spoken ways of uplifting and inspiring women to see that there is hope, there is the end of the tunnel, gradually moving. I know that for me there's been lots of shifts and changes in my life as a result of this time of change that we're in. And it's been really fascinating for me to see all the different ways that I have responded to these changes. Of course, there are so many different facets and aspects of ourselves that we're constantly in communion with. And that inner caretaker, the ability to allow that inner caretaker to come forward is so important for all of us at that time. That part of us that is still, that is observing, is watching. That part of us that is part of the one consciousness. That part of us that we can access in times of crisis. That part of us that is there to care and oversee all of those other processes that are taking place within us at all times. And we're so lucky, of course, with our consciousness that we can move in different ways and perceive things in different ways. Having that big picture perspective is so helpful. And I know for me, working with the living world, recognising those cycles within the living world, working at my heart's home, Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, which has a thousand year plan. So the idea of a long-term project, long-term unfolding of change and co-evolution is really helpful at times like this. Also very aware that Although we are encouraged to verbalise and although we are encouraged to conceptualise many of our experiences verbally, 
The non-verbal world, of course, is rich with healing capabilities. And when we can hand over to the non-verbal, to our body, to our ho'oratinana, our physical senses, our physical well-being, often this realm can offer much in the way of steering us back to a clear and unimpeded path. When we are needing to make decisions, when we are needing to process emotion and allow emotion to leave us and be free from its grasp, our body of course can hold the key to this. When we are able to move and we are able to energize ourselves, we are able to explore an adventure, we are able to really challenge ourselves to go within, go into that present moment. The physical realm, of course, can offer so much in terms of bringing us up to date. I've been enjoying the longer days and walking with friends. Despite my long COVID, I have been able to venture forth and this has been incredibly helpful. So I really hope for you, you're having the opportunity to really engage with your physicality and allow yourself to really sink into that non-verbal knowing and when making decisions see what that part of you has to say and i'll look forward to talking to you again soon thanks so much you're listening to blowing bubbles we're talking with ben sanford in rotorua ben we're living in times of change times of disruption there's a whole pile of stuff coming at us that we don't have a rule book for we're having to make up stuff on the fly how do you make decisions about things which you hadn't thought about before? Um, I think you need to be as as informed as possible. You, you need to take in as much information and understand the decision that you're making as much as possible and then make the best possible decision. Like You, you can't foresee the future, um, but you can make informed decisions with the information that you have. And, and that's, I think, all we can really ask of of leaders, you know, at times where things are changing quickly, um, you know, to make informed decisions um, and to make, you know, decisions, you know, for for the wider community and, and you know, putting people at, at the heart of the decision. Do you have a particular set of values you take into those sorts of situations? Yeah, I, I, I guess so. Um, you know, like, I, I think it needs to be, you know, I think leadership needs to be authentic. I think it needs to be informed. Um, you know, I think you need to um, be able to, to balance any competing interests well. Um, you need to also be able to engage. Um, you know, people, what, if you're making decisions about people or for people, like they need to be involved in that process as much as, as possible. Um, you don't want to be, it's much better to involve someone in a decision-making process than try to dictate to them a decision that you've made. Um, you know, so communication is key. Uh, and yeah, and also, you know, we're not always going to get decisions a hundred percent right. So, you know, recognizing that, you know, it hasn't gone right, um, and that things need to change and, and being, being able to own that as well. What do you think you bring from your sport, which is surely the craziest sport in existence to, to, (laughs) you should have to tell people what it is to local government and, and to community. Uh, so yeah, a little bit about my sport. My sport is, is skeleton, um, which you might have seen in the Winter Olympics. Uh, we slide down an ice track head first 
that up to 140 kilometers an hour. Um, and it's similar to bobsleigh. So in bobsleigh, you sit in a sled. In skeleton, you run at the start and then you jump on and, and drive down the track head first. Um, in terms of doing skeleton, you know, there's, there's probably not much that relates to, to local government. Um, there, I guess some of the things that it has taught me, though, is a lot about resilience, a lot about goal setting, a lot about, um, you know, how to plan, um, how to bring a team together. Like Skeleton, you're an individual athlete, but you need a team of people around you and you all need to be working in, in the same direction to, to get the results. Um, but one of the things that happened to me when I was doing Skeleton was I got very involved in athlete representation. Uh, and so that's the work that I do with the World Anti-Doping Agency. It's the work that I do with our now Olympic Committee here, um, or Drug-Free Sport in New Zealand. Uh, and I think within that space, there's a lot of parallels between what I do around athlete representation and what I do or would do uh, in local government. Um, as an athlete representative, I'm I'm one person around a table. There's no political parties. So you, you really have to understand the people around the table with you um, and you have to be able to convince them and work with them um, to get results. And often in athlete representation, um, you know, we're often the weakest party at the table. Uh, so it is about, you know, bringing, you know, other stakeholders on a journey to, to affect change um, and to get change, which is beneficial for, for athletes. So, you know, I believe I'm, I'm good at um, working in a team. I'm also very good at, you know, getting things done in what are quite complicated and political spaces. Uh, and then obviously as a lawyer, I deal with the law and, you know, regulations every single day. So um, local council sits, you know, right smack in the middle of a whole lot of regulation um, and in the near future, a lot of change as well. Um, so we need, I believe, leadership that is, you know, adaptable um, and can work with a wide group of stakeholders and work with, you know, a lot of people around the council table as well. So when something does get complicated and difficult, and the one that springs to my head is the um, Russia and, and the decisions about essentially banning entire countries, and then presumably your role is to, is, is to say, hang on, some of these athletes, what are we doing about them? There's, there's like no, there's, is there any good outcomes from that? And, and how, do you, how do you approach those sorts of dilemmas? Yeah, Russia's been a massive issue in, in sport for a while now. And I think we were all completely flabbergasted by the scale of it um, and the scale of the deception um, and the links that they, they went to. Uh, and it, you need to look at it in context as well. So, you know, there is doping all, all around the world, but doping happens in different ways in different countries. Um, the issue with what was going on in Russia was that it was essentially run by the government um, and you had their anti-doping agency, which was essentially acting as a doping agency. Um, you then had their lab, which was, you know, Roshenkov in the lab was al almost the mastermind behind it. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, they started off with a little bit of deception, but as the rules got tighter, they had to go further and further down the rabbit hole until they had a really elaborate statewide system of doping. Um, you know, from the from our athlete committee at the time, we were we were pretty strong on saying that that Russia should be banned. Um, that you know what they had done um, to undermine international sport in the Olympics um, and this extent of doping and the cover up. Um, we're talking you know hundreds and hundreds of top level athletes um, across nearly all their sports, uh, and it was very difficult to get. You, you know that it's happening, but obviously in a 
court of law, you have to you know, establish it beyond a certain level. Um, and a lot of that information and that data was being destroyed. Uh, so, you know, you just couldn't have confidence that the athletes that were coming out of Russia were actually clean. Um, and we know that a lot of the, um, especially when it relates to steroids, a lot of the benefits of steroids, you know, last for a very long time. Uh, so there's sort of this, they've established a playing field, which is already unfair. And so we really wanted to see, a, and we still do want to see this sort of cultural change in Russia as it relates to doping. Um, one of the fears at the moment is that, you know, the, the international level athletes might be, be clean, but there's a lot of potential doping happen, happening at a, at a lower level in Russia. Um, and there's definitely situations that we hear about where that, that seems to be the case. So, um, Russia's now got itself banned from international sport because they invaded Ukraine, um, but there's still ongoing issues around doping in Russia. Have you enjoyed being on that committee? Your term comes to an end soon, I see. Yeah, yeah. So my term comes to an end at the end of the year. Um, yeah, I've been on the Wilder Athlete Committee for 10 years now, and I've been the chair of it for the last two and a half. Um, it's a fascinating space, and you know, I got involved because I, I believe that athletes need to be involved in the decision-making for decisions that affect them and for rules that affect them. Um, you know, we we are the, the biggest stakeholder when it comes to clean sport um, and we need to be sitting around the table, you know, being part of those decisions um, and being able to influence things that, that affect us the most. Um, and we've, it's, you know, it's an, a thoroughly interesting space to be in and it's very political um, and... I think we've made some some good gains over the years, and hopefully, you know, when I come off the committee at the end of the year, I, I leave the space in a better place than when I found it. Do you get to continue in some capacity? Um, that'll probably largely depend on what happens with the the mayoralty. If I if I win the mayoralty, then I'll be you know dedicated to that. Um, but if I don't, yeah, there's space for me to be involved uh, in in some way moving forward. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Dave Dobbin and Herbs. Slice of Heaven. Why this one? Oh, because we live in a, a slice of heaven here. <laughs>
of our show is positive but not deluded and then it's morphed over the last few months to with a dash of deluded what's the role of a positive mindset for you um i I think a positive mindset is really important but i think it allows you to to move forward and i think it allows you to navigate issues without those issues becoming too big um you know obviously i'm a i'm an athlete at heart and you know competed for 12 years overseas and you know it's not an easy road like you're you're constantly battling things uh you know whether it's injury or whether it's finances or whether it's issues with your equipment and so on um and you have to continue believing in yourself and you have to continue to be positive um and that's like you say it's not being deluded like you have to deal with with the realities but you have to you have to be positive and you have to to keep on moving we have seen lots of change in society over the last couple of years. What do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Hmm. Um, you know, one of the things I, you know, lockdown was difficult, but one of the nice things about it was actually, you know, spending more time in your neighbourhood and getting to, to meet your neighbours as you walked around the neighbourhood. Um, and that feeling of community and, and neighbourhoodness um, was really nice. I don't know how well it's sticking already, though, because, you know, we sort of seem to be back in, in routines um, 
which are you know often back to normal um from a working point of view one of the things that's definitely shifted is you know being able to to work remotely being able to work from home um and that becoming you know quite accepted um i see that maybe a lot more overseas than i do here just because you know we um we sort of had a lot more freedoms in new zealand for a lot longer um than you know some other countries and so you know i have colleagues overseas that haven't been in the office for for two years um and so yeah there is a sort of understanding that you can work from anywhere in the world you can um you know come into the office whether it's two or three days a month um so some of those things are, are lasting impacts overseas um you know i hope that we that we learn from what's come out of of COVID and and the bubbles you know it, it's been an extraordinary time and um you know we have had to make decisions to look after ourselves and after our communities. Um, and I think that's good. You know, what scares me about all of this, though, is the, I guess, the increase in disinformation, um, you know, the increase in, you know, conspiracy theories and, um, yeah, that sort of detachment from, from what, what is actually happening. Do you have a strategy for dealing with disinformation should it appear on the campaign you're running at the moment? Um, no, no, not, not really. Um, we just, you know, try to push back against something like that, you know, with, with information, um, and with, with the facts that we have. Uh, one, one thing I would say, you know, on running for, for local government is that often there's a, a big misunderstanding around what the council can do and what the mayor can do. Um, and so as part of the campaign, we're trying to sort of set out, you know, this is what the council can do. This is what the mayor can do. And so in this situation, um, this is what what I could do um, and what the council might be able to do because, you know, the the council doesn't control everything that happens in Rotorua. Um, we can't blame the council for, for everything that happens here. Um, you know, there are other entities, whether it's the government or whether it's regional council or whether it's, you know, private landowners. There's, there's a lot of other people involved um, in this community. Uh, and, you know, I think it's really important that we understand who can do what and how. Um, and the other thing is that the mayor, you know, it, it's one position on council. You know, you're you're one of eleven here, and so you know you don't you can't dictate you know what's going to happen. Like you need other people on council to be supportive of your ideas and what, how you want to move the city forward. But you can't. Um, it's not like being in government where you maybe have a, a majority of government and you can you know set the agenda and and sort of move ahead. Uh, and the mayor also isn't the the president of of Rotorua, you know, they, they don't have a say on everything that happens here and they don't hire and fire council employees and, and so on and so on. But it's just trying to be clear on, on what the real state of things is. But you're probably expected to have an opinion or a soundbite on all of those things. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, you know, so there's, I, I sort of try to divide it into two categories, the the categories of, you know, what council is doing and not doing, or what council can control and what they can't control. And when there are things that council can't control, then you obviously want council and the mayor to be advocating in those spaces in a really strong way for Rotorua. Do you think that there are any lessons that we can take from the pandemic and the response to that over the last couple of years for the bigger sorts of challenges we face? And I'm thinking of things like climate change and social justice on a, on a large scale. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I think tackling the pandemic is, is no small feat. Um, you know, and we've all banded together and we've done incredibly well. Like it's it's been an enormous struggle and it's affected people in different ways. But, you know, we are coming out the other side of that. Uh, and, 
you know, I think it, it should give us hope that, you know, when we collectively get together to deal with an issue, um, we actually can. Um, and so whether that's, you know, the social issues that we see or whether that's, like you say, climate change, um, if we have the will, we will find the way. I have some questions to end the show and not very much time, so we're going to have to wriggle. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, goodness. The biggest success I've had in the last couple of years. Um, there's There's been a few around, um, you know, within the anti-doping and athlete representation space, um, you know, which have really helped move you know, athlete rights forward. Um, and a lot of those have been, you know, really you know, we've worked really hard for that. One one thing I'm quite happy that we're doing at the moment is we're establishing this um, athletes ombudsperson um, to help athletes internationally um, work through anti-doping issues. So that's that's been a lot of work and it's coming to fruition at the moment. I know it's not the role of WADA, but are you seeing a, a switch to or an increase in athlete well-being? Is that happening? It's certainly happening here. Is it happening internationally? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, there's a lot more... Um, awareness around athlete well-being, um, mental health, and you know we're, we're seeing these sorts of issues around the world. Um, and so, yeah, no matter what space you're you're in in sport, um, it's something to be very aware of, uh, and you know to understand the challenges and what some of the solutions might be. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? What's got you into the mansion? Oh, goodness. What's my... I don't think I have a superpower. Um, you know, I just turn up every day and try to make things a bit better. That's that's all I try to do. Captain, turn up every day and try to make things a bit better. That's probably not going to fit on a... No. ...on the back of a cape. No. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, no, I, I don't, but um, I definitely feel like I am sometimes. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? you know like there's not one thing that gets me out of bed like you know different things on on different days um you know like i'm really fortunate to be able to work in a couple of quite different spaces so you know though whether that's you know trying to help the community here in rotorua or whether that's trying to you know push forward um athlete rights or athlete representation you know around the world or here in new zealand um you know there, there's lots to work on like we you know i think we need to keep on striving and you know i don't like seeing unresolved issues like i think we should you know be making things better and constantly and that's a constant journey so what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or two um this uh winning the the mayoralty is probably the the biggest challenge that i have in, in front of me at the moment you know, there's a we have seven candidates uh in the race here in rotorua uh and it's going to be an interesting campaign and i've got to get out there and meet as many people as as possible and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners yeah, um, you know, get involved, um, be part of the solution, uh, you know, be be active, you know, support your community, get involved with your community, um, build those networks, um, you know, and, and follow your dreams. You know, I, I've you know, had an incredible privilege to be able to, you know, play sport and, um, you know, compete around the world and, and go to the Olympics and, um yeah, it's, it's opened a lot of doors for me. And, you know, I would say in, in doing all of that, um, building balance into your life as well, uh, that's that's really important to, um, you know, I find that with sports sometimes it's easy to sort of fall down the well and get um, too much into one thing. And so I was always competing best when I, when I had some sort of balance. 
Thank you for that. Moera. Ben, I just want to um, say thank you for the commitment that you've made um, to making the world a better place. Um, and, you know, that plays out in so many different aspects of your life, from the work that you do with athletes to the to the changes that you're making there, um, to uh, your legal work, um, and then to your service to your local community. Um, we need more people like you who are being active in improving life for others, and you are certainly doing that. So we wish you all the best uh, for your campaign and uh, look forward to following your future from here. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Ben. Slip sliding away Slip sliding away You know the near your destination The more you slip sliding away Slip sliding away Slip sliding away You know the near your destination The more you slip sliding away I know a man came from my hometown. He wore his passion for his woman like a thorny crown. He said, Dolores, I live in fear. My love is so strong for you, I'm afraid one day I just might disappear. But right now I'm slip sliding away. Slip sliding away You know the near your destination The more you slip sliding away I know a woman Came a wife Lord him These are the very words she used to describe her life But she said a good day Is the day I ain't got no pain she said, I'm bad days when I lean back Just thinking about things that might have been But right now, Lord, I'm slip sliding away Slip sliding away, yeah. You know the near your destination The more you slip sliding away I know a father who had a son He longed to tell him the reasons for the wrong he'd done I came a long ways just to explain. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Persuasions with Paul Simon's Slip Slider Norway. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Moira Karatai in Fakatane, and we've been joined from Rotorua by Ben Sanford. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Marty Every day you work your job. Bye. 
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.